Dunn Stores are proud sponsors of How to Fall Apart, the support series. We stock our shelves several times a day so you can shop at times that suit you best. Hi, I'm Leithan Hines and this is How to Fall Apart, the support series, sponsored by Dunn Stores. Today's episode is about single parents. Amongst others, I've talked to Zoe Desmond, founder of the Frollo app for single parents, Karen Kiernan of One Family, Sam Dunn of Chore. I spoke to Dr. Rachel Master, clinical psychologist and single parent herself. I've also talked to psychotherapist Joanna Fortune about supporting only children. Uh, I'm Ian, I'm a, a single father. Uh, I get to see my boys most days, um, either drop them to school or collect them from school and at the weekends. So uh, I, I kind of pop over to see them um, uh, from three or four meters uh, twice a week. And all they want to do is hug me and touch. Can we even touch your ankles, daddy? They say, I'm going, no guys, you can't. And uh, so I promise them when this is all over, we'll go away. I became a single parent myself almost three years ago. I have a daughter who is five and three quarters, as she would say herself. Sometimes I feel like something of a fraud calling myself a single parent. Yes, I co-parent. My daughter sees her dad every second day, but it's not really about the terminology. I'm single and I'm a parent, and I think you get to call yourself whatever you want. It's because of the level of support I have. My family live five minutes away, and we see them every day. They provide childcare for free so I can work, and they help with everything from bedtime to schoolrooms. To be honest, I often feel like I have more support than friends with kids who are still living with their child's father, who are still married or in a relationship. When the social isolation started, it felt almost shocking to be suddenly separated from that support network. I remember chatting to a friend that first week and we both agreed it felt like grief. I think we all felt something similar those first few weeks. Out of nowhere, you would feel like crying, like the waves of grief rising up unexpectedly out of nowhere. I kept having to leave the room and go stand in the kitchen so my daughter couldn't see me. I spoke to Karen Kiernan of One Family. Okay, so the main issues for people in one parent family since the COVID crisis started, the first is really about income levels having dropped either because of job losses or because child maintenance is not being paid. Mm. Um, There's a huge amount of concern amongst families in relation to access and contact visits, whether it's safe um, to be able to keep um, having those visits or whether they're allowed. Um, big issues around access to shops for parents who must bring their children with them as some shops are just banning children completely and then a lot of people are struggling with the lack of the right IT equipment or access to enough data to be able to stay connected to the world and to be able to support their children's education. Okay Um, you mentioned their first income so in terms of maintenance if somebody has stopped receiving maintenance is there anything they can do? Yeah, so if somebody's maintenance stops, ideally they'll know, but we have heard of people it just hasn't turned up in their bank account. If that person is on a social welfare payment um, already, they should get on to the Department of Social Protection straight away and they can make a declaration. So they basically write up a note or a letter saying, my maintenance has stopped. And then the department has told us that they will reinstate their full payment for 12 weeks and then they'll review it because what we know is the court service is only hearing emergency cases and this wouldn't be considered an emergency. So for someone who's court ordered maintenance agreement, it's not possible to go back for an enforcement order. So the department is trying to be cooperative and if people do have difficulties, they should let one family know or let the department know because we none of us want families to be without um, income at this time. Okay. Um, anything else that you're advising people in terms of finances? Well, just to be aware um, of all the different social welfare supports, I suppose some of the things that we noticed yesterday are is that the new COVID um, pandemic unemployment payment is now taxable, which people were not necessarily aware of at the beginning. And also there seems to be some issue uh, from the department saying that where people are overpaid. So in some instances, if someone's on low income and working and they get the COVID payment, they may actually end up with more money than when they were working before they lost their job. So it now seems that the department is saying they may take some of that money back. Now, that's very unclear. We're very concerned about it because that's not necessarily the terms on which somebody was getting the payment. Mm -hmm. So it was just something for people to be aware of. And as soon as we know, we'll issue 
correct information on that okay. through our website and Facebook. Okay. In terms of access, you might tell me about some of the problems that are coming up and what people can do. Yeah, so access and contact visits for people who are separated um, for children are often fraught with difficulty. Um, so this is just uh, all of those difficulties accentuated during a period of great stress mm -hmm. for the country as well as the children and families involved. Mm -hmm. So we do have guidance on our website about this because it is quite complicated. Mm -hmm. There's also been guidance issued by the court service, the Minister for Justice, mm -hmm. uh, the Law Society, everybody. So basically, if there are health issues, that really is of great importance in terms of is it safe for children to travel between two homes? But everyone is very clear that if there's a court order in place, that must be adhered to. And there is an exemption where somebody has to travel for access. They should be allowed to do so that we have heard of some Gardaí not allowing that, mm -hmm. but they should be allowing it. Okay. So then we've heard of people who refuse to return children. We've heard of people who are refusing to let their children go on access visits and every kind of mixture in between. Yeah. So look, our, we are there to support people make that decision. And ideally people will talk about this and come to the right decision that's the safest mm -hmm. for their children and their families. Mm -hmm. And it's also really important to include children mm -hmm. in the decision-making process. Even if you don't have to follow exactly what they want, it's really good for children to be heard and to have a view. There, there are so much so much intensity yeah. um, in the parent-child relationship when it is a single child mm. that you have. Mm -hmm. um, you know, regardless of your, your relationship status, just if you took the parent-child relationship, mm -hmm. there's so much intensity mm -hmm. um, when there's one child that, that it's a it's an emotionally loaded relationship because you are their their person for yeah. everything, their playmate, their parent. The person who tells them when to eat, when to go to bed, mm -hmm. but you also have to be the one that they can emotionally bounce things off and through with play. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's very it's a real strain. Um, and I think there's a lot of guilt that can go with it as well of like, you know, um, they don't like they don't have a playmate. They don't have, you know, anyone else to normalize this with from a, you know, an age point of view. You're worried in this situation. Are they losing out on social development that they should yeah. be getting? Are they feeling lonely? I think the lonely thing is a real um my mum has this saying, uh, your crumple button, which is like, yeah. you know, the thing that you can't kind of rationally talk yourself out of. Like, this is the thing that, like, gets you. Um, and I think the idea yeah you know. I think I think you're so right but you know what I always think there's a there's a real difference between being lonely and mm. being alone mm. and just because they're alone mm. as a single child doesn't automatically mean they're lonely they mm. can have a perfectly lovely little life and little world mm -hmm. because this is their normal they're used to being the only child in your home the difference is the intensity of having just mom or dad or mom and dad you know just having that triad or dyadic relationship mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all the time because typically for most children particularly you know if they're school age their day is broken up with others mm -hmm. you know experiences with others mm -hmm. be that a teacher a minder kids in playgroup, kids in school, that they have these multitude of, of interactions. And, you know, all children are denied of that at the moment. But the difference for single children is they don't have them with each other, with their mm -hmm. siblings, mm -hmm. where sibling children do have that. They can work out some of those dynamics and social um, interactions with each other that single children now must do with parents. And bearing in mind they're doing that with a parent or parents who are also trying to work. Mm -hmm. also trying to keep the house going also trying to do dinner and again depending on their age also trying to be there some somewhat of a teacher in the midst of it mm. um and that just really emotionally loads that relationship there's so much going on now mm. okay um one of the things i think will be uh, the case for a lot of single parents is that their houses they might have been used to um people who don't live in the house but but being who are quite present within their house and, um, you know, their outside network becomes pulled in more, I think. Sure. Um, and I felt at the start quite worried about the fact that, you know, I was thinking this could go on until September and my daughter's world has become really small suddenly. 
Yeah, I think it's about naming it as well. I think, you know, the play is the doing of the communication mm -hmm. that, you know, if, if everything is getting frustrated, then we want to do the kind of play that allows me to safely throw things because that's what I need to do. I need to throw things. I need to hit things. I need to stamp at things. So you would blow up a balloon and it's a punch bag. You'd get a bag okay. of cotton balls or just roll up, you know, squares of toilet roll and have a big snowball fight that we can throw things at each other and let me do the release of that frustration. Okay. You know, sometimes when things change and it's hard to make sense, then we get Get mm. uh oh feelings mm -hmm. and the uh ohs might live in our tummies mm -hmm. or they might live in our hands they might live in our feet and sometimes they pop out our mouth like shouts mm. or cries mm. but that's just the uh ohs when they get really big mm -hmm. so what might be a nice activity is to if you have like a you know like an art roll of paper you mm -hmm. know like the ikea roll or mm -hmm. i use wallpaper lining um a roll of that and just have little person lie down draw around them with a marker mm. and have a couple of different colors and give each get them to give mm -hmm. each color a feeling and then color in their body where the feeling lives and include Brilliant. the uh -oh okay. Okay. and as they then color in their body it gives you the parent an insight to go okay where do they locate all of their emotions okay. and their tricky emotions is it in their head mm. is it in their feet or hands are they going likely to kick or physically lash out mm. are they in their tummies are they likely to start saying they don't feel well um, you know, where do they locate it? But also linking those then to a relational episode of tell me a time when you felt that. Okay. okay. And then you're going to always include a mix of the good stuff as well. So it should be happy, excited, as well as the uh oh, confused, scared, angry, whatever you want to put in. Um, and I think that's really important. And I think as well, certainly something I've been doing as well is, you know, when we're doing activities, whatever it is that we're doing, it could be painting a picture, coloring a picture or just, you know, whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, is that we take a piece of it. We might cut a piece of the picture or do a particular picture and we post it. And our, our little, you know, bit of outside activity within two kilometers is to the post box. And mm -hmm. we're part of sending that. And then the recipient, grandparent or whomever, yes gets to call and open it um, live. Okay. Look at me receiving what you've sent and I'm so thrilled and in the moment. And it's keeping that bit of connectivity. Mm -hmm. I did something and I put it out there and you got it. Mm. You okay. received me. You received yeah. something from me. Yeah. So th these are really just tangible things. And again, just bearing in mind that you know, if you've got a co-parent or someone you're living with mm. that can help you out with this, it's fantastic. And if not, give yourself a break that mm. you are doing enough. And honestly, enough. I, I do think that while there's lots of resources online and it's fantastic, it can be a little overwhelming as yes. a parent yeah. to feel, oh, my God, I didn't do juggling today. I did, <laughs> I did all these other things, but I forgot to juggle. Mm. You know that it's OK that you mm. some days you're going to nail it and say, God, we really did great on the old play and the arts and crafts and some days you're going to be like really work through the back catalogue of whatever tv show is out there mm. and that's okay it's a day and tomorrow it'll be different so we all just need to be a little kinder to ourselves but also each other be that getting out there and having to do supermarkets or whatever and you know anyone who's had to bring a child to a supermarket knows the kind of reception you get that people are afraid People yeah. are fearful. And when people are afraid and fearful, they're not their best selves. Yeah. And we often project those icky, uncomfortable feelings outside of us yeah. onto someone else. It's your fault. I feel like this. Yeah. So it can come across as intolerance and unkind and even aggression. And I think, you know, in one way, those of us or anyone out there who are doing is doing it alone you got to teflon coach yourself as best you can mm -hmm. and that's not to excuse what other people are doing or saying but it's it by way of explaining it yeah and yeah. hold your ground yeah hold your ground and for everyone else out there just exhale you've got to be kinder to yourself first because if we're not kind or kinder to ourselves there's no way we can be kind to other people yeah I spoke to Zoe Desmond, single parent and founder of Frollo, the single parents app which provides a support network. We talked about what their members are dealing with and ways in which Frollo is helping right now. Issues coming up with, with members are obviously intensified loneliness and isolation. So I think, you know, a lot of people are put right back into that situation of just being, you know, with their kids all of the time and which is which is which is so intense. Um 
And then there's concerns over how, if they're in a co-parenting relationship, how the other parent is approaching the guidelines. So, you know, whereas one parent might be very kind of strict and kind of on proper lockdown, the other parent may not be. So that can create some concern and anxiety or some confusion about what the best way to to go about everything is. Mm-hmm. Um, so for for that kind of thing, we have called in some um, some legal, you know, we've gotten uh, legal expertise uh, okay. in to, to help kind of give Frodo's guidance with that. Um, so, yeah, so things around um, things around, yeah, what the right co-parenting setup should sure. be. Should, mm-hmm. should people stick to the schedule and arrangements that they already have or should one parent just do the whole lockdown? Um, and there hasn't really been any specific specific guidance given around kind of single you know single parents um and and lockdown uh you know uh so mm. it's been confusing for a lot of people um and then it's the concern of what if somebody gets sick how will they cope mm. what do especially those who don't have any support or aren't in a co-parenting relationship mm-hmm. um, and you know then that's working from home you know there's not that fallback of having another parent there to kind of switch things up and and, and all of that so it's just a lot of additional pressure mm-hmm. um obviously working from home and um Yes. So so the the ways that that Frollo is kind of trying to respond to all of these things with the with the guidance around co-parenting and and how to go about that. Like I said, we we've brought in we've answered Frollo's specific questions and concerns around this with a legal expert. Um, we've also have have had people, experts come, you know, co-parenting kind of um expertise brought in on how people can navigate co-parenting in this time um and then in terms of the worry about getting sick um, some frolos have created a buddy system actually with other frolos in their local area um via the app which is just a nice kind of reassurance reassurance to have so even if it's you know not necessarily if someone gets sick but even those Frodo's who might be completely on their own and you know have you know have you know one person in particular I'm thinking about uh, in the Frodo community has you know three young boys it doesn't have a co-parent um around to 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 help her and so she can't get out to the shops um so you know there's been frolos leaving bags of shopping at her door um for the essentials that she needs and you know in a time like like this and thank thankfully you know she she hasn't been sick or anything like that because that i do I, I dread to think what would what yeah. would happen if yeah. that happened but but just it's so it's it's such a nice thing obviously having a, a Frodo buddy system where you can have that support and just people looking out for each other so mm. when people have that maybe co-parenting window of their child or children being with the other parent they can go okay right well now I can pop to the shops get my own shopping and pick up bread milk and eggs or whatever for for um mm. you know for whatever Frodo I've buddied up with in my area mm. um and then in terms of juggling, working from home and keeping the kids entertained, mm. we've been uh, providing some um, kind of ideas on the on the feed. Um, mm. Like today, there's been a T-shirt, a, an easy T-shirt kind of craft making tutorial that's gone up. So we're trying to do as much of mm. that stuff as we can and give without overwhelming people because there's so much stuff being shoved yes, exactly. in our necks at the yeah, moment I yeah. don't know about you but I'm yeah. kind of I can't even look at any more lists of yeah I should be doing um so so just in little short kind of easy yeah. snippets you know ideas of 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 what of what Frodo's can do mm. um, are you seeing a lot of stress from parents around co-parenting because I think as anyone who co-parents knows 
it takes such a long time to get to a place where everything's kind of working or it can take such a long time. Mm. And then to have something like this thrown in where, you know, it's so far from ideal and nobody's, you know, getting what they want in terms of access and whatever. Is it is it um, becoming a major source of stress? For I think yeah I think it is for some people I think some people are just uh, kind of choosing to continue with the co-parenting schedule that they have set up because they've they're you know that's uh you know what's working for them and they've made it that 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 agreement but I think some people um I know there's quite a few dads in the Frodo community who aren't seeing their kids at the moment mm-hmm. um and are finding that tough because obviously not knowing how long this lockdown is going to last mm-hmm. um and really missing the kids and and then as I mentioned there's just some stress and anxiety around what the other parent is actually doing or who they're coming into contact with yeah. or people who might be you know kind of exposed to other people Mm. on the front line you know frontline workers so it's um I definitely think yeah there is there is yeah a huge amount of of stress and anxiety Mm. and more for some people than others because of how you know intensified their particular situation might be If you're a single parent, chances are you've built up a network of family and or friends who have taken on different kind of importance than they might otherwise have if you were not the only adult in your house. I spoke to single parent Alex Sly, mother of one and host of My Yellow Couch podcast. I, I've been a single parent since the stick turned blue. Um, (laughs) So it's always been just my son and I at home. Okay. So in a lot of ways... Our living situation hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Um, he is 18 and will be 19 this year and unfortunately is in leaving cert year. Mm-hmm. I definitely am finding it very, very hard. I think the hardest part for me at the moment, single parenting, mm-hmm. um, is that, you know, when you're a single parent, you have to be everything. So yeah. I am, you know, the emotional support, the financial support, the whole the whole support um and I've learned to do that you know it's it's been this way always so I don't mm. know any other way mm. but I have to say this is probably one of the first times since I was pregnant um you know I didn't enjoy my pregnancy because I felt very alone in it mm-hmm. um and I that's come back yeah. uh, during the pandemic I spoke to Dr Rachel Master clinical psychologist and single parent herself in summary, I have been a single parent for roughly about two and a quarter years. Okay. Uh, and normally I, so I've got two little ones. So I've got a five-year-old boy and an eight-year-old girl. And normally I co-parent with their father. So he normally has them two nights a week. Okay. Uh, but since about, so when a, more than three weeks ago now, mm-hmm. he's got an underlying health condition, which means that he's on immunosuppressant so he has been self-isolating which means that I really am genuinely on my own with the kids okay. with no support or help whatsoever so that's been that is a real first for me actually yes. <laughs> exactly yeah, um really so true. yes I am thrown I'm being thrown into that deep end while also being an NHS professional I'm a clinical psychologist so I work in CAMS okay which is the uh, child and adolescent mental health service in East London I work I thought one of the things was really interesting you said on Instagram recently was one of the challenges that you're completely cut Mm. off from your support network which as a single parent is so important and that that post you made where you said I I feel more single parent than I ever have which is something a lot of people are saying to me so you might outline some of the things that are going to be challenging if you would yeah, I mean, it's almost, it's, it's, it's exactly that. It's, it's, I feel like it's stripped all my, my uh, coping strategies away from me, yeah. essentially. Yeah. I know that, you know, most single parents that I know heavily rely on, if it's not family support, then it's support from friends. Um, for me, that was very much the latter. I've been someone who really relies on my neighbours and friendships around me and they look after my kids and mm. so forth. And yeah, so suddenly, that isolation when we already as a as a group single parents are quite isolated yes yeah taking that to the next level during covid is really quite extreme Mm. um so that's a real a real struggle and i think along with that is that vulnerability that i don't know how much is spoken about but 
we've all been ill and had to look after our kids, but with all the anxiety around the COVID and how severe it can be, um, I think that really adds to the stress, doesn't it? Because you've got 100%. this sense that, you know, you may be really unwell and have to look after your kids and be put in really difficult positions. Yeah, I mean, I found the first two weeks really kind of shockingly scary in a way, in the sense mm-hmm. that, so my ex-husband uh, got it, so he was out of the picture, oh, and my parents mm-hmm. are older. I mean, they're not, you know, they're, they're old. <laughs> they'll hate me saying, oh, <laughs> you know, they're old. Um, and my dad has asthma, so we had to wait the two weeks. And in that two weeks, I just felt, God, you can have such a good network and be so linked in. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, in this situation, I am completely on my own here. And exactly. it was really like I felt really emotionally kind of overwhelmed in a way that I don't mm-hmm. think I even did going through a divorce. It was weird. I completely agree with you. And I th- it made me really think about, as a psychologist, we, talk, we call it containment. Um, when you're in a relationship or as a child, when you're growing up and you have really big feelings like anxiety or low mood, you, you kind of look to someone else to hold that for you. And that helps you to process it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. you know, as a parent, you're doing that all the time. I think, you know, and as, as a single parent, you often find yourself in that situation where you're trying to contain your kids and you are going through a lot and that's one of the I think a core uh, struggle and challenge of being a single parent but right now I've really noticed that in myself that I haven't got anyone to contain this kind of huge amount of anxiety that I'm going through and all that uncertainty yeah and I go to bed at night and I don't know if you're like me but (laughs) you've often spent the day you know looking after your kids busy 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 you put the kids to bed and suddenly that's when it all hits isn't it I'm uh, you're fine. alone yeah. with your thoughts yeah exactly <laughs> there's nothing to distract you and like you say there's no one to hold it for you or um like I found in the first week I muted a lot of my whatsapp groups because like the first Saturday somebody texted in an article about linked to the guardian and I just thought no it's 10 o'clock at night I have nobody else here to help me talk me down from this anxiety I need to really manage my own boundaries of what I'm allowing in really that self-preservation isn't it mm. Um, and I think we have to do that. We have to think about we only have a, a limited amount of reserves and amounts of energy. Exactly. Uh, and you really have to be quite wise about how you use and conserve mm. what energy you have. And yeah. I, I'm exactly the same as you. I thought that I would want to do all these Zoom chats and Zoom parties and yeah. uh, speak to people every evening and all these things. That I, and I'm, I'm going to be craving all of that. The reality is I'm so done in by that point. All I want to do is wash some totally, trash or go totally. in the bath and stare at the ceiling. Yeah. And people call me, I don't call them back. And I don't, but you know what? There's no space for guilt right here. Yeah. We've just got to yeah. do what no, we can. No, it's kind of freeing in a way to be like, I need yeah. to, I can just do the essentials and I yeah. can't get, and you, you just don't feel any of the anxiety. I think another thing, um, Rachel, is loneliness. I think a lot of single parents, um, mm-hmm. like you said there a minute ago, it's already possible to feel quite isolated and that's going to be something that's really compounded now by this oh my goodness yes and I and and, and I think it's a really difficult one because well if you, I find that when you're quite low in mood and anxious mm-hmm. and you're already quite isolated it's quite a, a vicious cycle you can get yourself set up in where you kind of you don't see as many people and then you kind of almost get quite reclusive mm-hmm. and you avoid and you can get into this I mean it's a very common thing when you feel low then as we just talked about you may not connect with people as yeah. much yeah and th- so it's a, it is a balance isn't it because you could easily just hibernate completely and cut yourself off from everyone around you mm. and stop contact mm. but I think mm. you you do need to be careful about that loneliness um yeah and keep those connections going but it doesn't mean you have to have big long chats so for me mm-hmm. I know what I'm like after 8pm. So I'm realistic about that. And I don't normally make any commitments to speak to people after 8pm. But I do try where I can to snatch phone calls or do WhatsApp messages of groups of friends in the day when I've got the time and the energy Mm -hmm. to do that. And I find that better. Um, I don't know about you, but I am quite lucky that I have neighbours that I can even as much as a sort of standing in front of the house or through the window Mm -hmm. and just having a brief chat Mm. that for me is so Mm. helpful Mm. and it makes a really big difference I've been trying to do those kind of connections Mm. 
Um, if we could not talk- everyone has that. I'm, I'm aware of this. No, I know, but I think you're right. Just even like I thought the first <clears> week, <throat> I remember we went for a walk on the beach and everyone was so, sh- they were isolating. Mm-hmm. But just to see other people's faces was really such a lift like it's such a small thing but I remember feeling afterwards yeah. because when you're just getting stuff on your phone yeah. and you're alone with your child okay. it can be you know and you don't yeah so getting going out and kind of seeing just a few other faces so maybe if we talk first about um mm-hmm. in terms of managing things fear and anxiety because like we've said there's no one else to normalize this situation for you to hold the fear when it gets too much or to help you to deal with that so I wonder if we could talk about some ways that single parents who are on their own possibly overwhelming themselves with thoughts understandably Mm -hmm. of the future and all that kind of thing how we can cope if that's becoming a little bit overwhelming well there's a lot here that I could you know (laughs) I could go on for a long time so I'll try and keep it concise and you can always ask me to go into more detail but um Right. There's so many different avenues. So the first thing I would say is make space for anxiety and big okay. feelings. So I'm sure we've all heard this before, but it's, it's a really key one, actually. Obviously, you know, we are all at the moment feeling probably traumatized. We're all stunned. We're all in a kind of permanent uh, fight or flight kind of uh, physical Uh, reaction right now which basically means we're pumped up for danger because that is what we're in we're feeling unsafe Mm. Um, so I I would say that we can carry on and we can be parents and we can work and we but we can't be super we're not superwoman when we can't do it all so where you can sit with those feelings and while they are really difficult I always just try as much as I can to just kind of say to myself this is this is me feeling anxious it's okay I can do this Mm. it is anxiety but it will pass this is what I'm feeling now and sometimes just trying to just almost just get into your body is my biggest tip as a psychologist and you hear all the time but it's a really big one Mm. because however hard a feeling is what it comes down to is your physical sensations in your body Mm -hmm. and you can always breathe So I will always, however hard things are, and there have been lots of times when I felt like I can't cope and my kids are asking for things or they're screaming at me. But you know what? You can always take yourself away. You can go into that toilet, you can lock the door and you can sit down and give yourself 30 seconds and you can breathe. Mm. And in those 30 seconds, I would always recommend put your feet on the floor, put your hand on your belly Mm. and just slow down your breathing. And And it's about sort of saying to yourself, you know, you're, you're essentially trying to get yourself back into a grounded state. Mm. So when you're all stressed and anxious, you're up here, you're, you're breathing very shallow, you're really not be you can't think straight. So mm. what you're trying to do is slow things down. Mm. So it's putting your hand on your belly and trying to breathe in. I often do it to the sort of count of about four or five. Mm. And then I try and hold for about four or five. And then as I breathe out, I actually visualize a cafetiere plunging down (laughs) because what you want to be doing is breathing out really slowly Mm. and literally blowing out all that, all those feelings, all the anxiety. Mm. And as you're doing it, you almost want to feel from the very top of your head all the way down to your feet, like a wave of calm. So allowing your shoulders, every part of you just to kind of relax into it as you breathe out. Mm. Sounds really simple, but it really does work. Mm. I would do that kind of breathe. So you're sort of breathing in for four or five you're holding for four or five and you're breathing out for about four or five or six seconds and keep doing that for about two minutes that's all it will take okay but what by doing that exercise you're essentially calming your body down and you'll be able to after that pause feel a lot more calm okay but but coming back to the feelings Mm -hmm. while you're in that kind of state it's okay to kind of normalize what you're going through you're feeling overwhelmed it's all very anxiety provoking but you're okay Hmm. Um, another thing that I always try and get people to particularly single parents but anyone who's going through something like this is to kind of remind yourself how strong you are Hmm. that we've all got so many resources and as a group we are incredibly Hmm. resilient humans Hmm. Hmm. Um, we've gone through a lot like you mentioned most of us have gone through a horrendous breakup or divorce yeah we've had to deal with handling a lot of big stresses amongst our family and be strong for our kids Mm -hmm. we've done it before Mm -hmm. and we can do it again and as much as this again is something that might seem quite I've heard that before it really does help to calm you 
Whatever your situation is with maintenance, and that might have changed recently, financially, if you are a single parent, your challenges are different. You're running a house on your own. The idea of just doing what you can work-wise, adjusting your workflow to the situation at the moment, might not be an option. You might not be able to just sit back and take the foot off. But at the same time, your child needs more attention than ever. It's a tricky balance. I spoke to mother of two girls and author and cook, Sharon Hearn-Smith. You know, one of my biggest fears um, before, in the lead up to my separation, actually, one of my biggest fears was around uh, financially, how was I going to survive? How was I going to support myself and and the girls? And so that was two years ago. And I, I learned from it that you know, to really trust, uh, to really trust what's going on and that I will be supported. Um, and and I, I don't just mean by other people, but just, you know, that I really believe like, the you know, the universe, the, you know, that you will be supported. And I have been all along, like I've always been able to pay all of my bills and I have been, I have been very challenged um, with being able to work. So, you, you know, even back then, two years ago, it's very reflective of what's happening now. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, Absolutely. one one thing that I did do um, the other day when the girls went and I had some headspace, I finally sat down and worked out. I do like to work out a bit of a budget and I do like a bit of a spreadsheet. Mm. But I got out my my budget that I had worked out a couple of years ago, which is like one and a half pages long uh, of a list on an Excel spreadsheet of all my expenses and my income. And and I actually was able to knock so much off of that off of the list. And now my list is whittled down to like a few small things. And so I think we've all realized that that we have so um, we have like a lot less expenses now. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have the kids activities to pay for now. I'm not paying for car fuel anymore. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that have been knocked off the list. And so that gave me reassurance just by sitting yeah, down, I suppose, and taking control of the situation. I spoke to journalist and jewellery designer Taryn Devere, mother of five. Just before the whole um, coronavirus hit, I was made redundant. Mm. So I, I lost my regular income and had to go freelance really quickly. And I actually had lined up a good bit of work for myself mm-hmm. in a short space of time. And then I, um, when coronavirus happened, uh, all that work fell through. Mm-hmm. So uh, I kind of threw myself into my online shop and... Um, started making different I may have been making badges saying everything's going to be okay which have been selling really well mm. and um and just trying to you know get on the hustle for writing work mm, so mm, mm. I've been uh, you know getting gigs with different um newspapers and stuff like that but because the house is so full of people you know I could be sitting there writing an article at 11 o'clock at night when everybody else is asleep I spoke to Sam Dunn of Tror herself a single mother who was separated from her son for the first two weeks of social isolation. I would describe uh, my situation as we we, we have got a, a very healthy um, shared parenting situation that works well for us. Um, and my son's dad, you know, he, he does as much as a parent and now than as, as I would. So I suppose the first challenge was when schools stopped. So during that week, obviously, I still had to go into, I was still going into the work. I was still going into the office at the time. So um, his dad then was actually able to stay at home with Rain. So that was great. Like he, he was working, working at home and doing the homeschooling for the that first week. Um, and then when, when this, the restrictions, when the restrictions came in and that Friday night, obviously things were going to be a bit more difficult. But while actually we were getting such a huge increase in calls all of that week, you know, around access. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for myself then what happened was Reen normally goes to his dad on a Saturday night. So he went up as normal on Saturday night. And on the Sunday, I got a call from his dad to say that his roommate um, had had the symptoms, basically. And they went on to the helpline, so they had to self-isolate. So obviously, you know, my, my initial reaction in that situation was to, you know, it's counterintuitive to leave your, your child in, in, in a space where, you know, where, he, where they, they might get the virus. Yeah. I really have to think about, first of all, you know, what is the most responsible thing to do here? Um, I was reacting emotionally to the situation. Let's kind of put that to the side, you know, and think about the information we were giving parents ourselves and think about the whole thing. 
and you know he was the his my my son's dad's roommate was isolating in his room and i knew he was being well looked after by his dad and he's happy there and the whole lot so i just sort of it was just made a decision then to okay gonna have to leave him there for you know for the two weeks but i was going up um and i was having a like, social distancing play dates at the back garden and i was doing video calls parents is where there are genuine concerns if the concerns are genuine like if a relative that you're around is, is at risk um, if a parent or a child is at risk obviously there you know you do have to you know you, you know you're absolutely open to and it's completely understandable to alter your access arrangements and where access arrangements are reviewed like that um, you know put it in writing because this is what the the, this okay. is what the district courts are saying and you know, this is what the, the you know, family law are saying mm-hmm. to put them in writing and in case down the road, if there is a disagreement around the review of access okay. down the road, then, you know, you, you have some sort of an agreement there. So and where one parent, where a child really, because it's about it's about the children, mm-hmm. that they, the children are, are experiencing huge anxieties. Mm-hmm. They're experiencing their own challenges. They're not seeing their family and friends, social distance, not even having play dates, mm-hmm. going to the playground. Mm-hmm. So children themselves, although, you know, you hear the word resilience being thrown around with children all the time, it's important not to be complacent in that too. Mm. Like children really are feeling feeling the feeling the, the effects of this, you know. Mm. So it's very important to so where where a child can see the other can spend time with the other parents mm-hmm. do have alternatives there like video calls and you know you see, you see gaming nights or, or on, online and mm. or even just regular calls mm. um or like that social distancing in in, in a garden or a park somewhere mm. you know be creative in in making that some some form of access arrangement and putting mm-hmm. that, that in place mm-hmm. um so that's that's what we're asking parents to do, and other organisations are, you know, saying the same thing. Mm. Um, but they're the challenges. The challenges that we are, I think, the other challenges that we are seeing is, you know, there are um, um, instances where parents that would have pre-existing challenges in meeting mm. access and say maintenance arrangements mm-hmm. that they are having having those those challenges are now heightened. Yes, and you know there may be instances where well, there are instances where parents are using the whole situation as an excuse either to hold on to a child or not to allow access mm. so we really are asking those parents you know to to reconsider those decisions and mm. um, it's very important to say that when parents say if they were never together or they're split up at whatever time in the relationship or whatever age the child is mm. they really are on a journey together in terms of arriving at some form of fair parenting mm-hmm. so we really are urging parents to to, to consider that mm-hmm. and don't take a take a backward step mm. on that journey because really if you if you come out of this even at the same place that you were before that's that, that's really really good mm. um but certainly don't use this as an excuse which is going to make you take a step back on that journey because every parent is on that journey um whether it be at the start in the middle or you know yeah it, you know it's yeah. so it's very very important to mm. to reconsider those those decisions mm. and think of the child think of your child put your child first anything that you might say sam to people who are feeling very lonely you know there are no other adults and they're stuck with stuck as but you know they're in the house with small children um and yeah. just it's an added level of isolation i think when yeah. you're the only and this there. this is also you know a huge concern especially for lone, lone parents that you know they might not, you know another parent might not even be involved at all mm. and they're self-isolating and they may have underlying conditions themselves or the children are mm. i would say you know to if, if you have access to the internet use the internet mm. you know um perhaps you know most people would have mechanisms for um for, i suppose towards healthy men- mental health mm. and you know and really do tap into those mm. um as best you can you know you see people out walking you see uh, so many people out walking now mm. social distancing too mm. being very good mm. but i mean if you can get out for a walk if you can have a play if you know do things that you that you never normally would have had time to do with your children like mm. baking and gardening mm. and you know reading to your to your children mm. arts and crafts all of this kind of thing but where you can reach out and you know and speak to somebody else absolutely do that mm. and mm. you know it's it, this is temporary it's yeah. not going to last yeah and there are services available there especially particularly for 
parents who who might be in a you know in a situation of domestic abuse in the home mm. you know the services have increased there mm. they've adapted to support parents you know there might not be enough resources but um there certainly are they, they, they are improving now at the moment and you can see that with the still here campaign that the department of just just as launched there during the week that um you know people will still have the same access to services that, that, that were there before so it's very important to mention that and then the courts they may not be hearing ac ac access and maintenance arrangements at the moment mm. but they are hearing domestic violence related related um related um hearings mm -hmm. now as well just to say that though if a parent can make a good case around access and custody and maintenance then that may be heard that may be heard in court and an application may be made what would they need to do to make a good case what would that involve well, I'd imagine, I mean, there, we, we also have experiences now where, you know, if an unmarried father does not have an access arrangement in place, then that, that father doesn't actually have any right to spend time with his child. So where access arrangements may have been, may have been pending in court, you know, if, if there's been, a, you know, if there's been a very long, long period of time where it's the, the father may not have spent time with the children, and they're looking for that access arrangement, they may be able to contact their district court, find out where that application is, what's, you know, like when when the hearing may may, may occur. Um, but also the family mediation services are still available too. Are they? Okay. You know, you could try okay. that. Okay. But, the, you know, good cases would be where there are continued, say there might be continual instances where access has been denied to a father, let, let's say, or maintenance has been, been denied to a mother continually. That would that would, in my opinion, be a good case. And would they get on to you guys first of all, or wh where do they start with that? Well, we would give give the information yeah. certainly. You, know, you can call our you can call our information line, which mm. is still fully operational. And mm. um, you might you, you won't get someone directly on the line in the office, but you leave a message, mm -hmm. or you can go to our website troar.ie, mm. and you can request a call back. Get in touch with get in touch with us over a social media platform, yes. Facebook and, and okay. Twitter. But we would give certainly give the information, okay. and we will we talk to parents. You know, we definitely have got an increased amount of calls yeah. and messaging online as well. Um, but they would ultimately they would have to um, call their their district court and take the application process from there. Even though it is extremely tough at the moment, there are certain skills that single parents might have already acquired, which may make them particularly able in some ways to cope with things as they are now. If you've been through the end of a big relationship, you've already had to face life as you thought it should be falling apart. You're used to major change, maybe to everything changing. And on a more day-to-day -day level, you might be that bit more impervious to all the talk of how things should look at the moment. That you should be homeschooling, crafting and baking, should be using this time to learn new skills, write books or whatever. In putting your life as a single parent together, you might have already come to the conclusion that you don't feel pressured by what others are doing. You do what works for you and your family, not what you should be doing. Yeah, so the concept of bird nesting, it, it wasn't one that we were aware of or mm -hmm. familiar with when we went into it. And mm -hmm. um, we just knew that our daughter had kind of personality where she needed, she needed to anticipate things and build up to things and um, even good things. So, you know, if we were going to stay with grandparents or if we were going to be going on a holiday, she wasn't the kind of child who liked to be surprised by those things. So... When we were com coming to the end of our marriage, you know, it was a painful decision for us both, mm. but we did put her first and we said, you know, whatever we do, we want us to do the best possible mm. breakup mm. that will make sure that our child is the front and center of this. And that, you know, when it comes to her in a wedding or something in the future, we'll be friends and yeah. we'll know that we did the right thing for her. So. We rented an apartment um, and then our daughter stayed in our family home. And at first it was every three days that we would we would rotate around the family home. Mm -hmm. And that was quite it was quite hard uh, because, you know, you're packing up your things every three days. It's like constantly going on mini breaks. Yes. And um, so we were able to extend it then a little bit to a, a week on and a week off. OK. And that was so much better. And um, we did that for, gosh, a year and a half or more okay and um, with no impact on our daughter whatsoever so we took the decision not to let the school know so that we could kind of gauge how she was 
And there was never one moment when they said we're worried about her or feel that there might be something wrong at home. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's worked out for us. Like so many people in different situations during this, being a single parent involves all kind of nuances that are tricky. I hope this week's episode helps in some way, both in providing a sense of solidarity and in suggesting some things which might help right now. I call it future tripping, you know, Um, you know, you're like, whoa, whoa, come back. We all do it. I think, you know, we all look back, we all look forward. I think it's just part of our nature. Mm -hmm. Um, But when the catastrophic thinking, which is very easy to do in times like this, Mm -hmm. starts to kick in, what I do is I, you know, I ground myself. So, you know, feet on the floor straight away, no matter what I'm doing, I take about five deep breaths because this is what I do with my clients. Mm -hmm. And I practice what I preach, feet on the floor, five deep breaths. And I I have a conversation with myself, you know, out loud. Sometimes people do it in their head. Mm -hmm. And I check, you know, it's kind of like a CBT, small little exercise. So I have a think about what the trigger was. So it might have been I watched something in the news that scared me or somebody said something that scared me or I had an argument with somebody and I think about okay so I know that I'm feeling this way because I watched Trump on the news and I just I don't watch him because he just Mm, I can't (laughs) right And, and so okay I know that this is why this happened and so then I think of you know my my thinking so my thinking will be something like this is never going to end you know I'm Never, I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. Mm. My son is never going to move out of the house, mm-hmm. you know, all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And then I think, okay, well, that's, you, I check my, my, you know, c- catastrophic thinking with mm-hmm. my reality and it, it never matches up. And then I'm able to just say, okay, you know what? None of it is happening today. I think that keeping it in, keeping it in the day is probably the, the biggest thing that I do. You know, I, I haven't lost my job today my son is safe and, you know, at home and well today. I'm still working today. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not the end of the world today. What do I need to do today to get through my life? Okay, now I have to get up and make dinner or I might have to ring a friend. And that's what I do. And I just shift the focus right back to the day and try and, you know, disconnect from the catastrophic thinking because that lack of sleep anxiety you're more likely to get into an argument with somebody you love I mean it's just it sets this chain of events off that's very hard sometimes Mm -hmm. to come back from Mm -hmm. so grounding you know check my thought process with my reality and then okay today is Wednesday (laughs) I think we're all like that today (laughs) today is Wednesday I'm okay today I have everything that I need today As a single parent, you're used to doing more on your own, to being on your own more. So while in ways it might feel like you're cut off from the network you've built, in other ways, being somewhat isolated, juggling work, child and home, it's not new to you. A really big thank you to all the experts and all the fellow single parents who spoke to me for this episode. Both Tror and One Family are running helplines. All details are available on their social media platforms. Dunn Stores are proud sponsors of How to Fall Apart, the support series. Always here for our customers. 